Why is it that the only thing people want to talk about this week are the Chiefs? Believe it or not, there are some other things going on. Potholes are back with a vengeance. There are two high-profile bereavements. And Kansas City leaders want you to join them in the Power and Light District Sunday afternoon for the big World Cup announcement. Plus, are our school superintendents being paid far too much? The new push to cap their salaries. Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. Co-Trustees, The Restaurant at 1900, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome, I'm Nick Haynes, and glad to have you with us on our weekly journey through the news of our week on this action-packed edition of the program. KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez has joined us on the Week in Review bus, and a newsroom colleague, Brian Ellison, who tracks the region's top political stories. From our Metro's newest newspaper, Next Page KC, Eric Wesson, and Kansas City Star contributing writer, Dave Helling. I think I have to say that now. You'll still be writing in I the Star. I'll be writing some additional things on uh, local issues of interest in the weeks ahead. I'll put okay. it so retirement f is not fully uh, on board with that right now. We are a program that lifts the hood on big, important political stories and holds our public officials to account. But let's be honest. Is there any bigger story in Kansas City this week than the Kansas City Chiefs? Few people seem to want to talk about anything else. Eric, can you think of any other event or news story that could beat the number of eyeballs and energy that our hometown football attracts when there's a Super Bowl on the line? No, I can't think of anything, and it's not just the Super Bowl, it's Taylor Swift. Every place you turn, there's a Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs story. So I don't think of it, there's anything uh, more important than that right now. You know, you think about there's a World Cup coming up, it still doesn't seem to get the same type of energy. You could say if we brought a Republican National Convention, a Democratic National Convention here, it still wouldn't get the same type of energy as the Chiefs right now. Well, right. Political conventions don't get energy anywhere. I mean, people don't really <laughs> care about them anymore. I will say my, my own impression is that the Chiefs, having gone to the Super Bowl now four out of the last five years, there is a little bit of meh uh, attitude among some Kansas Cityans like we expect to go every year. Everyone who follows professional sports knows that's not true, that it's hard to get to the championship game in any sport, let alone just the NFL. But maybe my colleagues see it differently, but you do get the sense that, well, we've been there before. Not quite the excitement you saw a couple years ago. But they did it on the road. Now, they had always had all the yeah. games at home, so it's always been an issue. And could Patrick win on the road? And he proved them wrong by going. Uh, other than on perhaps the road. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey getting married this year in Kansas City, which would be the equivalent of a royal wedding, I think. Well, is there anything else that would ever measure up to this? No, and I and I think it's hard to overstate the the Taylor Swiftness of of it all right now because you, this is really all eyes in a global way are on Kansas City. Their profile has never been higher than it is now, and and it is because of the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey romance, but. I mean, but the football is good, too. And, and this is something that people are really excited about. It's one thing we can agree on. Now, you know, there's a you know, pesky conspiracy theory here and there, but it's all eyes are on us. 
sorry, I was just drinking. That was the fourth mention of Taylor Swift, and I'm going to drink every time she's mentioned in the program. Well, uh, okay, Dave Helling talked about, you know, the, um, the mayor for some people. Eh. However, there was a lot of jubilation, of course, but that come, they did come with a downside. Kansas City Police said there were uh, documented 174 rounds of celebratory gunfire after the Chiefs beat Baltimore to earn their Super Bowl spot. Brian, I thought the Missouri legislature passed a measure just last year that finally criminalized uh, celebratory fire. The legislature did pass Blair's law. Uh, Representative Mark Sharp of, of Kansas City was a big part of that. Uh, unfortunately, the governor, unfortunately for those who support the law, the governor vetoed that law because it was part of a broader crime package, and it was actually concerns with other parts of that package that caused the governor to veto it. It has been moved already through committee uh, again this session, and it has bipartisan support. It's an interesting question as to whether the chief's success will have any impact in Jefferson City on the stadium debate, as we talked about last week. Uh, as you know, there was no money in the budget uh, for the chiefs or the royals, and the governor, Governor Mike Parson, sort of said, well, we'll see. Uh, I, I think that um, there are some interesting ramifications for, particularly if the team wins, for what the April 2nd vote might turn out to And be. that Super Bowl parade, if the Chiefs win, is going to take place, Eric, on Valentine's Day. The city says they're going to earmark about a million dollars, the most money they've ever done for this event. They're saying it would be the biggest parade we've ever had. What, what impact would that have? This will come just weeks before that stadium vote. I mean, is that all those giddy Chiefs fans are going to propel that issue over the finish line on Election Day? Don't know about that, but it would be a great deal of momentum uh, toward that. And I did talk to one of the people at the State House, and they said the reason why it wasn't a part of the budget conversations was because it wasn't on the ballot yet. They were just talking about it. And then by the time they got it on the ballot, the legislative session on the budget was through. But if they had done it earlier, it probably would be a part of that. And let me just say one more thing. Maybe Dave Helling's new haircut <laughs> Should be, <laughs> should be a part of it. That too. actually is part of our big story miss segment, which we'll be doing a little later. By the way, we are hearing from more and more viewers who are fed up with this whole stadium debate. By the way, stadium fatigue is real, folks. Here's an email I received from Jan after last week's show. I tuned in again in hopes of some real news. She writes, but there's another story about the Royal Stadium. Must this be covered every week? Isn't there anything else happening in the area? You must be weighing this up too, as the news director over at KCUR. I mean, there's there's lots of stuff happening happening in the area, and we do run the risk of giving too much attention to this one story and letting other really important things slide slide by. But for for all of us here, we we're so into government process. We love watching all of this stuff, and this is maybe the the one opportunity for the whole city to be so interested in something that they're looking at the back and forth between between legislators, between different jurisdictions here. So it is an opportunity to really show our audience audiences what this government process is on a topic that's hugely interesting. I heard the same, though, about the airport. People were fatigued about that, too, Dave. Yeah, and the vote was important, and people were interested, and turnout was high. We are two months from Election Day. We're taping on February 1st, uh, the election April 2nd, so we're two months away. I checked this morning, Nick. There does not appear to have been any campaign committee established for the vote now two months away where contributions could go in and ads bought and doors knocked on. I think the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl delays focus on this issue. People don't really want to hear about it. Let's watch them play. Let's 
find out what Taylor Swift is up to or whatever. So it's really a six-week campaign uh, for a $2 billion tax. Whew, it's going to be but, a rush to the finish. But, but all that Super Bowl coverage, a victory parade, I can imagine, will all be in those uh, campaign commercials for that stadium vote. Right, and if you need a reminder of why it was so important to the Royals that the Chiefs and Royals uh, tax be combined on the same ballot and not separated, as Manny Abarca had proposed at one point, this is it. Uh, so the, people they, will forget the hundred and something losses of the Royals? Well, and, and riding the, the excitement and enthusiasm over the Chiefs. Now, everyone is being told to head over to the Power and Light District on Sunday afternoon for a big World Cup announcement. After months of delays, Kansas City will finally find out how many matches it'll host when the global soccer games come to town in 2026. By the way, we still don't even know when the tournament will begin. Apparently, all will be revealed on Sunday, while we're the smallest city to have ever hosted a World Cup. Local leaders are dreaming big. In addition to multiple opening round games, they have their fingers crossed that FIFA will award Kansas City a quarter final match. Our civic leaders are really pumping the event. But will we be crushed, Lisa, if the only games we get are first round matchups between Senegal and Cameroon, Tunisia versus Morocco? I think there will there will be some, including our, our civic leaders, that will be disappointed by that. But but you're right to mention we're the smallest city to ever host a World Cup. We were our you know our profile when it comes to soccer is just beginning to rise. So I think the the amount of of people and fans and interest, even in those first round games, will be high enough that Kansas City will see a big boost either way. But don't everybody think, though, we're going to get Lionel Messi here and all these top world stars? And that might not happen. They may think that. But, but look, if you think Kansas City is big on soccer right now, go to Cameroon or Senegal or Tunisia and see how big <laughs> soccer is. I mean, when those, if those teams come here, it's going to be huge. We're going to sell out every game. There will be millions of eyes watching those games on TV. Um, there is no small World Cup match, and Kansas City will enjoy those benefits. Now, like the villain in a horror movie, they're back. Potholes are once again menacing drivers. Some motorists telling local stations they are worse than they've ever been. Is that just because we have short-term memories, Eric, or are we experiencing conditions we haven't seen for a long time? We haven't seen them for a long time, and it seems like they're multiplying daily. Uh, when, the when the temperatures dropped, I think that was di the difference this year and years past. And it just, uh, I-70, side streets, even main thoroughfares are ridiculous. If potholes are like a serial killer in a horror movie, you have been <laughs> one of those first victims, Brian. I, I, I can speak from personal experience. The potholes are terrible. I bent a rim uh, the last last winter on this on this front. Uh, I think uh, it's a serious problem. But I will say, um, you can you know that city leaders are are they know how much people care about this. I saw the the number that was published this morning of 21,151 potholes as of today's taping had been filled. That's a that's a very precise count. They know that people care about it. But I remember when Mayor Quinton Lucas and you were the city hall reporter at the time, running for office. Potholes was one of the biggest issues of that campaign. People complaining about them. Uh, do we we lay the blame on the feet of Mayor Quinton Lucas and the council, or is it bigger than them? I, I mean, it's it is bigger than them, but we certainly can hold them to account. And City Manager Brian Platt, that said his resurfacing of the roads campaign was going to mean that pothole season was not going to be as bad. And so there is. 
I, the, I think this is an issue that, that, that politicians made promises on, but that is much harder to tackle in reality. And some people have been saying that than they thought it would be. Now, speaking of Mayor Lucas, he's getting ready to deliver his State of the City address next week. In between making a new round of Super Bowl bets, he's preparing his speech, which has become a yearly pat on the back for the job he's done. He will most certainly take credit for the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl, for the World Cup coming to town, and the successful opening of a new KCI airport terminal. Where is he falling short? Dave? Well, uh, violent crime certainly in Kansas City remains a problem. Uh, the promise of free transportation for bus riders is now really teetering, as we've talked about on this show. I'll be interested to see if the mayor talks about that at all. Um, uh, and But, you know, I think he has a fairly decent record to talk about, and, and he won overwhelmingly last year. It wasn't like he was seriously challenged for that seat. So I think you're right. You get a lot of cheerleading, some mention of violent crime. I don't anticipate huge new initiatives from the mayor's speech. Eric. I think he'll chant those things that uh, Dave mentioned, uh, having a lot of women appointed to as directors. What he'll shy away from is the discrimination lawsuits that are taking place, not only still in the fire department, but at City Hall, couple of floors down from where his office is, uh, especially with black women and women in general with that. But he's made a lot of women appointments, so I think he's trying to balance it out. But there's a very serious discrimination problem taking place at City Hall. Well, bringing down the murder count to less than 100 was one of his campaign promises when he first ran. We know that hasn't happened. But he also said he wanted to be the mayor for poor people. And yes, we may be having challenges with free buses, but that did happen. That was going to help people who had less resources in the community. And we just had a huge he will say a big win because of the income discrimination bill that was just passed and signed by him this week. So there are victories that, that the mayor can claim here, but I think everything is overshadowed, as Dave said, by violent crime and homicides, which were the highest they've ever been in 2023. One other thing to think about and to talk about, when, his, uh, when he campaigned in uh, 2019 for uh, his first election, uh, Mayor Lucas called downtown baseball a Maserati, you know, something that he didn't really want. We will see perhaps this week whether that tune has changed dramatically between that day and this. It might be now calling it a Rolls Royce. There's some other okay. uh, high luxury vehicle. Okay, sure. well, sports stars and political leaders get a lot of attention in this town, but sometimes you don't have to kick a football or serve in elected office to win over the hearts and minds of Kansas Cityans. You can sometimes be a plain-spoken nun. This week, Sister Berta Saylor was laid to rest. She's the crusader for impoverished children who co-founded Operation Breakthrough at 31st and Troost, serving more than 700 kids a day. It is the region's largest low-income daycare center. Sister Berta was not known for sugarcoating issues. In an interview with, that she did with us in 2010, she lamented that the polar bears at the zoo were treated better than many of our own kids. I asked an eight-year-old one day what she worried most about, and her answer was the rent. Eight-year-olds shouldn't have to worry about rent. A four-year-old said to me one day, if I grow up, I want to be a fireman. And we're coming very close to being a society that saves tin cans and throws out children, and I think that's the scary part. Eric, we see former Missouri Senator Clem McCaskill calling Sister Berta a Mother Teresa of Kansas City, others describing her as a living saint. How many of us would get that type of attention and those types of descriptions? Very few, very few. Uh, I had the opportunity to interview her 
when I very first got into journalism and she was like really candid and she loved kids and she loved kids but she hated the fact that we didn't invest a lot in the kid early childhood development and that was one of the things that I always remembered in our conversations. Yeah, I think it's easy to turn folks like Sister Berta into sort of a Hallmark card uh, filled with love and compassion and caring for people but, but I appreciate that, that Sister Berta also was, as you say, plain spoken. She yeah. told the truth. She held the powerful to account, uh, much like Mother Teresa, actually. And she that that willingness to speak out is really why she had such an impact over her her long and good life. Now, also being remembered this week is Jean Carnahan, Missouri's first female U.S. senator, and the wife of former Governor Mel Carnahan, who died in a plane crash just days before the 2000 election. Dave Helling, many of us may remember the enormous drama of that election and the confusing questions: What happens? When a dead candidate wins an election, it was too late to take her name, his name off the ballot. No one seemed to fully grasp uh, how this remarkable set of circumstances would actually even play it, out. It was a shock. It was the most incredible week I've spent in journalism in nearly 50 years, that whole process. Jean Carnahan turned out to be a pretty good senator. She was uh, under enormous pressure. Uh, right after the election to uh, vote in favor of John Ashcroft, who was appointed, as you may recall, to be attorney general. And she voted against him, which uh, brought her some grief back in the state of Missouri. But she too Which may be, be a reason why she was also not elected to office, losing to Jim Talent at the next right. available of course, election. Jim Talent was a very good senator as well. Um, it, it was just an extraordinary set of circumstances that I hope we never see in any state again. Now, on the heels of a newly launched campaign to legalize abortion in Missouri, Republican lawmakers began hearings this week on not just one, but 12 proposals aimed at making it more difficult to pass such changes at the ballot box. One bill would increase the votes necessary to pass a constitutional amendment from a simple majority to 60 percent of the vote. But given pushbacks over the idea, your legislators are getting creative. Several bills keep the 50 percent vote for passage, but take on other requirements. One would require an amendment passing five of the state's eight congressional districts. Another requires it receive majority support in at least half of the state's legislative house districts. Do they think, Lisa, that's the secret sauce that will help them win support for this? I, I think they're trying whatever they can to get this passed. This is one of the biggest priorities for Republicans in the Missouri State House this year. And, and make no mistake, it is about the abortion amendment. This is about ensuring that that cannot pass. And so these different formulas for making it happen really the the issue with you know making it pass out of five out of uh, you know five legislative or congressional districts in Missouri does the argument against is that it does weaken the power of of cities it does it means that not every vote is counted the same and it gives disproportionate power to rural or less populated areas of Missouri so it is complicated but but it is only about one issue it's about abortion when we think about other ballot measures like the recent you know marijuana amendment we've had the minimum wage going to twelve dollars in Missouri. If we had used those types of measures then, tightened the rules and said five out of eight congressional districts, more than half of the House seats, you have to get a majority, would those have passed, Brian? Uh, it appears they would not have. Certainly the, the marijuana amendment, remember, passed with only 53 percent of the votes statewide. Only the, the counties that include uh, the large cities of the state approved it. Uh, it almost certainly would not have passed under this rule. I mean, look, Nick, the, the, a, lot of, a lot of Democrats and even some Republicans are concerned about the ways this effort seems to be undermining democratic principles. Uh, among the requirements in this, this bill is also a, a measure that would say only citizens of the United States can vote. Well, 
That's already the case, of course, but they're going to put that on the ballot and people will think that that's what they're voting on. And a lot of folks are troubled by, by sort of the dishonesty of that. But they, uh, one of the arguments is it's out of control, the current process. 170 plus uh, initiative efforts made in this last year, according to the Secretary of State's office, there needs to be some better control over it. But why do we have initiative positions? My understanding is because legislators and lawmakers don't listen to the will of the people, so people have to put these initiative petitions out on the ballot. The whole idea is to get the legislature out of the way. That's why. They but even Democrats propose these things, and the Democratic governor because of Kansas, the, uh, remember, right. Joan Finney wanted to do this, uh, and, and she was objected to by the legislators. Yeah. It was yeah, a Democratic no governor who yes. wanted it. I don't think it's fair to say that, that the initiative process is out of control in Missouri. There, yes, there were dozens of petitions initially filed, but very few of those get the required number of signatures. We've never right. had more than a handful on any one ballot. Uh, I don't think voters are confused, and, and as, as Eric said, if that's what the voters want, that's what the voters want. What's the problem with that? And that's their job, is to uphold the will of the people. They kind of have a tendency to Well, why, why to have believe. legislators at all if the public can just vote on all of these <laughs> issues? You're not the first to ask that question. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right. One of the complaints you hear about the initiative process in Missouri is that it's run by out-of-state interests who pour millions of dollars in to gather petitions. But in fact, the legislative agenda in Jeff City and in Topeka to some degree is drafted by the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is out-of-state right, right. money, yeah. millions in out-of-state money, so that seems a little empty as well. Well, recently, Dave Helling mentioned on this program that Missouri has some of the worst-paid teachers in the nation. Now, rather than pay them more, Missouri lawmakers have another solution. They want to cap superintendent salaries to five and a half times the pay of first year teachers in the state. Well, according to state education department figures, a first-year teacher in Missouri makes about $34,000 a year. So what are we to make of the North Kansas City school superintendent who makes $318,000 a year? By the way, that's small fry compared to some Kansas-side superintendents like the head of the Blue Valley School District. If the law passes, will districts start jacking up teachers' salaries, Lisa? Uh, or will they be a mass exodus of school superintendents who just can't in any way endure a pay cut of any kind. I, I think you can make an argument that that the disparity between superintendent salary and teacher salary is is not right. I do not think that tying superintendent salary to teacher salary is the way to boost teacher salary. I think the focus is 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 misplaced there and should be on raising that base salary for teachers rather than focusing on superintendents. You know, a superintendent who is doing their job well um, needs to have the skill set, the leadership, the administration uh, of, a, of a person who in a different career might be making much more than that amount of money. I think the, the, the problem here is the low teacher salaries, um, and there's no reason that lawmakers can't be addressing that end of the equation. Yeah, the other thing you could do, and this comes up in Kansas all the time, Nick, is eliminate a superintendent by merging districts. And a lot of times in Kansas, you will find counties with six, seven, eight school districts, each with a superintendent. And the idea is you could move those people together and eliminate some of the overhead that way. Try that in a rural area. They'll go out of their minds because they don't want to lose their school districts. And that answer doesn't come up very often. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? Nearly a year after the opening of the new look KCI airport, Kansas City getting ready to demolish its abandoned terminals. The council now voting on a $17 million bid to demolish terminals B and C. The project is expected to take up to 10 months to complete. 
As we start Black History Month, a statue of baseball legend Jackie Robinson stolen from a Kansas park. Wichita police discovered it dismantled and set ablaze in a trash can. A new border war, this time over hospitals. The Missouri Attorney General trying to block KU Health from taking over Liberty Hospital. He says the deal is illegal. The humble grocery bag is now at the center of a new divide in Kansas as the city of Lawrence bans single-use plastic bags. Kansas lawmakers now trying to block cities from imposing restrictions on plastic products. And as some of our viewers have told me to quit talking about the stadium tax issue because they're bored of it, you won't hear discussion on this program about the newly released renderings of what a new downtown ballpark would look like. Alrighty, Eric, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? I picked one. I picked different stories. Uh, Negro Leagues baseball is going to be free during Black History Month. Because of the Royals? Because, no, well, yeah, they're paying for it. They're paying for it like they've done for the past couple of years. But I chose uh, the alleged 20% salary increase for uh, Stacey Graves, who is the chief of police in Kansas City. I thought that was extremely interesting because a lot of people are saying, how do you reward somebody that's underperforming given the homicide rate? And if you were in a corporate America and coming out of the back, you had the numbers that she had with homicides, would you still get a raise? Brian. You know, we've talked a little bit about education issues like superintendent salaries, but I, I would like to focus on the uh, increase in conversations about serious education policy issues below the, the partisan conflict line. In Missouri this week, we saw a vote on open enrollment uh, that passed uh, on a pretty close vote. Republicans disagreeing with each other, having a serious policy discussion. There's talk about changes to accreditation methods. Um, there are serious policy discussions happening in Jefferson City around education this year, even if the, the more controversial topics get the headlines. Lisa. You know, I was I was at KCI when that first piece of Terminal A came down, so I'm feeling a little sentimental and, and thinking that the, the demolition of Terminals B and C really will be the, the end of an era for the airport, and, and I, I might sneak up to see those come down, too. You, you won't be sobbing uh, at the terminals, looking you know, at it coming I down? I don't, know, I don't know that I'll be sobbing <laughs> watching them, but, but it's, it's a cool thing to behold. Okay, Dave. Uh, a, a election machine manufacturing company sent a letter to uh, Johnson County this week saying, uh, telling uh, Sheriff Cal Hayden to stop talking trash about the election processes in Johnson County or the county could face serious liability uh, in court uh, for any alleged defamatory uh, 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 statements that he might make. It's a good warning for him to listen to. And he's up for re-election this year. If he runs. All righty. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed courtesy of KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez. And at the helm of Next Page KC, Eric Wesson, KCUR's Brian Ellison, and former star newsman Dave Helling, and I'm Nick Haynes. From all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm, and carry on.